Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. We've been gone a while, but we're back. I think it's been a week, Tom. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Just get your workout in? I'm good. I'm good. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am fresh out the gym. Just got a nice little workout in. Got my protein on hand. Lean body, Labrada, local, Houston-owned and operated. Uh, the best tasting protein out there. And ready to get down and talk baseball. All right, folks. Now, we are not sponsored by Dugout Mugs, but I got to share this with you because I sent Tom one, and he knows they're awesome. I believe they're awesome. He hasn't even used it yet. When he puts ice in there, and 24 hours later, there's still ice in there, and he's amazed. You know, but I don't know if he's going to use it because it's pretty awesome looking. <laughs> the co Use the code METAL60, and you can get those dudes for $19.99. METAL60 at Dugout Mugs. All right, buddy. Hopefully this is the last episode that we talk about Carlos Correa. It has to be. Well, I say, wait, wait, hold on. Carlos Correa is still playing baseball in the major leagues. Carlos Correa will be a part of the podcast in some form or fashion going forward. Well, we'll bring him up, but he, he won't be like a major topic. So I'm, I'm glad this is it. Carlos Correa back to the Twins. So what? Just off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong. He had that contract where he opted out, and everybody knew it was going to because it wasn't big like he wanted. And I believe the Twins offered him ten year contract, right? And he didn't want it, and he went off to other places. Didn't they offer him a ten year contract? No, they did not. They did not. They offered him a three year deal with opt outs after each year. No, not that deal. After he opted out, they tried to bring him back. Didn't they offer him 10 years? No, no, no. He didn't get another offer from the Twins until after the whole thing happened. Why do I think that? I don't know. Hmm. The only 10-year deal he was ever offered initially was from the Giants. I believed this so much, and I still do, that I should have <laughs> looked it up. I would have looked it up if I was unsure, but we'll have to find out. Six years, $200 million to the Twins. That's a $33.33 .33 million annual salary. That is number two behind, for shortstops, behind who? Francisco Lindor. Yes, and that's the guy he we thought he always wanted to catch. That's the contract he wanted. And he almost got it, but he hasn't quite got it yet. He could make $245 million over seven years if he reaches certain benchmarks what have you heard about this contract with the twins i haven't heard too much it, it, other than it's official you know he's he's physical everything what i really heard was what went down with the mets and the giants which blows my mind uh they had a specialist so i guess let me back up a little bit end of the year the twins have their examination or whatever then they go see the giants they let the giants know hey, this is what's going on, but we've been assured he's good. They had all these different specialists say he'll be all right. The Giants had their own specialists go, uh, I don't know. So that's, that's where that went south. Then he goes to the Mets. He tells the Mets what the specialist from the Giants said. So they knew they had all this information going in. The Mets are like, okay, cool. So then the Mets get a hold of the same guy, and that's where that went south. And it's like, 
Why even negotiate if you already knew you had a problem with this, knowing going into the negotiation what the Mets are or, or what the Giants already knew? So I was just, under it, the impression that they knew he was hurt and they're like, hey, we'll take him. I got I got a ton of money and we'll take him. So I Mets was really did. shocked that it didn't work out. Yeah, the Mets did. I think they got cold feet. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, they, they were like, ah, do we really want to? And they went the other way. And ultimately, part of me felt really bad for Carlos until Carlos and I, and I talked to this. I talked about this with a coworker at work until Carlos made his Instagram post where he's like, God wanted me here. And I just don't buy any of that. It's a nice way to say this is, you know, where I'm going to be. In my mind, it was 2 a.m. The bar was closing and Carlos didn't want to go home alone. So it's like the twins. Let's do it. But this was not something preordained. If he felt like Minnesota was where he was meant to be, he would have took the money before and would have never got into free agency, in my opinion. I do have his quote. It said, I believe at the end of the day, God will put me in the right place. That's what he said. And and to me, that's kind of like, uh, I'm just going to leave this to God and whatever happens, happens. But I think that's just something people say to make themselves feel better about what happened. But in his contract, there are vesting options built in the deal to protect the team and potentially benefit. Carlos Correa. This includes playing time and how he finishes in the postseason awards. After signing him, the Twins tweeted, he's home. Correa said, I'm so happy and excited to be back home with my extended family. Are you sold on this, that Minnesota is where he wanted to be? Because I am not sold on that at all. I don't care if God wanted him to be there. I don't care if it was his plan. Whenever he became a free agent or the year, you know, like, are we going to sign Correa? Are we going to do this? When we had talks about Correa's future free agent, I was like, this guy's a New York guy. This guy's an L.A. guy. He's not a Minnesota. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. There was no point in time where anybody, me, Anybody on Twitter, anybody thought that he was going to be in Minnesota long-term, especially the way he he tailored the contract that he got last year. Now, part of that too was Scott Boris had to get paid. So I think some of, some of the way that he opted out and then went back out had to do with Scott Boris. But ultimately, I felt the way you did. He's a big market guy. He's a, a, a headliner guy. Somebody that, you know, they're going to put on... ESPN and Fox, and they're going to mic him up and talk to him. The twins aren't that team. No. Nothing against the twins. I'm, I mean, I'm sure Minnesota's a lovely city. I've never been there. I heard Daniela didn't love Minnesota, but they're not that team. I don't think they'll ever be that team. You know, no. hell, the Astros aren't even that team, and they're one of the most dominant teams in the, in, in baseball. But they still get second fiddle in the postseason. They still get second fiddle in ESPN and all throughout the season. You know, so Minnesota, I don't see it. That's what I felt, too, about Houston. I was like, he doesn't want to be in Houston. He wants to be in New York. He wants to be in the limelight. He wants to wear fashionable clothes and get attention for things other than baseball. He wants to do billboards and all this stuff. He wants to be in the limelight, not in Minnesota. I can tell you that. 
So you spoke. I about disagree the about the Houston thing. Oh, okay. I totally disagree about the Houston thing. Well, he would have stayed. New- oh, okay. He would have stayed in Houston if Houston would have paid him. He really did not want to leave Houston. I, I will go to the mat with that. His wife loves it here. She's from here. He did not want to leave Houston. He just wanted what the money represented, and he was de- determined to feel elite in that aspect. Like, I am paid like the elite player that I am. Well, the thing I mean about Houston is this. That's where he got drafted to. So that's what he's used to, and they like it there. What I meant was the way he is, that wouldn't have been where he would have picked to go before he went to Houston. Like, he's a – I'm just saying he's one of these – Fancy places, one of these. But anyway, you spoke about the Mets, and I wrote this down, and I found it interesting. And I'm sure everybody listening knows this, but the Mets sold $1 million in tickets the day they announced Correa. And the Mets said, we were unable to reach an agreement, and we wish Carlos the best. And I do have some information on his injury, but a warning to everybody. Not a warning to the West, but everyone listening, <laughs> I am fighting back a sneeze with every ounce of <laughs> strength that I have. But anyway, he got injured in Class A Lancaster, the old Jethawks, when he was 19, fractured fibula. He missed significant time with the Astros in 17, 18, and 19. None of that time was related to this injury. And then you see the slide, the video, you know, getting hurt with the Twins. I guess there's a plate in his leg, and and he said the guy hit my plate, and it felt numb. I was a little scared, but when I moved, I knew everything was okay. So is he hurt? I don't think so. I think he's good to go. Yeah. So the thing with the the if you take if you go back to the fractured fibula thing that everybody wants to talk about in 2014, like you spoke to, he played six years, seven years eight. on that leg. I'm sorry, eight years right? on eight. that leg. Yeah. No issues. Now, granted, he had back things and and he had the broken rib. We were all very aware of, you know, some of the things that he's had, but never anything once related to his leg that kept him off the field. So who even knew about that? Well, obviously it came out in his exit examination, I would I would assume. Yeah, but it, I mean his fans, we didn't we weren't like, oh, I hope Korea doesn't hurt his ankle. I mean, or, or his foot, or his fibula, right? Yeah. We we didn't know about it as fans. It wasn't like huge news. He did get hurt and came back soon. I read that. Yeah, and guys get injured. I mean, I don't see this being an injury that's going to stop Carlos Correa from playing baseball. Will he probably be a little less of the athletic guy? The 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 you know jump throws, all the different things, the diving plays he makes in the hole, maybe. Maybe this this move to third base happens regardless. In it in New York, they wanted him to play third base. Maybe in the Twins, I don't know, year two years from now, they move him over to third base to protect that leg. Yeah, I believe the Mets wanted him to play because they had the highest paid shortstop. True, that's probably why. So let's move on to arbitration. The Astros had, I don't know, about eight guys in arbitration, and they were able to reach agreements with six of them. You got Framber Valdez. He's going to make six point eight million. Probably deserves more, but that's I'm pretty sure that's a significant raise for him. Probably at least double. I don't have what he made last year, 
Phil Maton went from 155 to 255. Stanek, 2.1 to 3.6. Or Keedy, 748. 748,000 to 3 million. And he deserves every bit of it. The guy has a couple of World Series wins, if not three. Uh, Dubon, 1.4. He also made the league minimum. Blake Taylor got him on the low, 830,000. And then uh, these are the two that I want to talk about. But if you want to talk about the guys that did sign before we go, if before we get to the ones that haven't signed, now is your time. The one thing I'll, th- I'll say about the guys that signed and even the guys that didn't sign, what I read, what I, what I, when I looked into it, all of the contracts, all of the numbers offered by the Astros or all the numbers agreed to were normal escalators based on, uh, you know, on annual increases for arbitration. So these guys were really only getting the money that they, they should increase to. And when we get into the two that you talked about before, it, it is it is believed that the Astros offered similar numbers to those guys, and they disagree with those numbers. So let's start with Javier, because that's the most simple one. He wanted $3.5 million. The Astros wanted to pay him three. I mean, so he go, if they don't, they can still agree on something. It's not over, but now they have to go to arbitration. I don't think this is a big enough number for them to be arguing about. And I think Javier deserves three. I mean, I don't think it's worth arguing 500,000. Just give him the 3.5 and let's end this. I agree. I feel like if there was an actual GM in place, this is the probably the one time that I'll say in this whole process where a GM probably would have made a, a probably a, a better decision on this. I think it's foolish for them to try to haggle or or argue or debate or whatever, arbitrate over $500,000 with the player, the caliber of Christian Javier. It makes absolutely no sense. It seemed it on paper. It looks petty. Like, just give that man that money. You you're probably going to make that on Jersey sales this year. Everybody's going to want to walk a Javier Jersey. So, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand that one at all. Javier is predicted to, what was the couple of things? Possibly Cy Young, mm-hmm. possibly what was it? Was it a strikeout leader or ERA? ERA. So this is a guy that even people outside of Houston expect him to be one of the best pitchers in baseball, and you're haggling over five hundred thousand. I know five hundred thousand versus three million. It's quite a bit of money because it's so low. I mean, if it was like eleven point five million versus eleven, that's a little less difference. But, I mean, the guy deserves it. Let's get him paid. That's what I say. Yeah, not only that, the one thing that I feel like when I when I see these numbers, even with, you know, who we're going to get into next, I'm like, we didn't, or the Astros didn't go out and spend money on free agents, yeah. you know, or, or, or not not any further. So there's this, there's this window that they still have to play with. Now I understand also saving money so that you can go, go after somebody at the trade deadline or something like that, but. The, the numbers to me just they were so small that I was like, a GM probably would have handled this better. So let's get to Kyle Tucker. The Astros wanted to pay him $5 million and he wanted $7.5 million. Again, I am on the player side on this. It may be a huge raise, not the normal raise that someone gets, but the normal person doesn't have over a hundred RBIs and almost hit 30 home runs and 
around 30 stolen bases. A normal average person doesn't do this. This is Kyle Tucker. And like you mentioned, I didn't think about that, but they didn't spend money in free agency. Give them the money. No, they did. They just didn't spend all of it. They're not, they're nowhere near the luxury tax threshold. So the, the, Two and a half million dollars we're talking about right now probably doesn't equate to another player, but who knows? So I think they're what I read is they're they are reaching out to him for an extension, and I don't think this is the previous time. And I don't think not giving him what he wants is the way to start this off, but it could be. It's like, hey, you're going to get more if you sign an extension. You're going to get. You're going to get your seven, then 10, and then 15. Then you're making 20, 30 million dollars the next three years. Something like that. Now, the one thing I will say, and and this is the uh, a tactic that the Astros used when extending Jordan Alvarez. So if they would have agreed on numbers, they would have avoided arbitration and their contracts would have been locked in. As it stands right now, if they negotiate between now and the arbitration trial, whatever they negotiate on an extension, they can increase their money. They can kind of like front loading their contract, right? Say they agree on a hundred million dollar contract for the next five years. So this year would count towards that. And you can make this year, whatever the number is, had they had, they came to an agreement in arbitration, they could have, they would have not. I imagine that, both of those guys will win their cases if it gets that far. But I think what this did was offer the Astros a little bit more time to try to negotiate an extension and use this year as part of that extension. I don't know that. I was just thinking about it. Maybe. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about some international signings. I've got an interesting story about uh, MLB.com put out the uh, next 10 World Series matchups. And it was, I, you're shaking your head, Tom. I know you've seen it. And then I saw another one that said the most glow gloves by position. We'll get into that. A couple more news. And if we have time, I have some fair fouls. So we'll get to that right after this. All right. The Astros sign nine international free agents. I'll highlight two. They picked the number 17 and the number 21 prospects, international prospects in the top 50. Camilo Diaz, a shortstop, they paid him $2.25 million. And Esmil Valencia was number 21. He's an outfielder, 1.1. Diaz, plus bat speed, good approach, plate recognition, above average hitter, power threat in the future, decent runner, strong arm. And Valencia, the outfielder, strong-bodied corner outfielder, advanced hitter, potential power, hits to all field, and he wowed the scouts with his Overall offensive prowess. Now, I've never heard of either one of these guys, and I'm sure you've never heard of any of these guys, and people listening have never heard of it. But it sounds like a couple of good signings. So this is where the Astros have just head and shoulders above everyone else in Major League Baseball have dominated, in my opinion, where they've been able to go out in these international uh, signing periods every season and go get somebody. So uh, a quick story, Jordan Alvarez was somebody that they targeted and they were outbid for his services back when Jordan Alvarez was, was being signed. The Dodgers signed him like a million dollar deal or something like that. So 
this is something that they've had great, great success with their scouts, identifying talent and getting them in here. And not only that, you've got players in the clubhouse that they identify guys that they look up to. So there are guys willing to sign here over other places, probably at, at lesser dollars to get them in the door to put that star on. And it's, it's where I think the Astros will continue to be successful. If they're to continue to be successful year in and year out, reload, reload, reload. It's by winning in these, in these uh, signing periods, by signing guys like that, that come in that you don't know, because a lot of the, the international guys, it's like, who's that? You, you've never heard of them. You've never seen them. You got to go look them up. You got to watch video. They play in the, the, the winter leagues and, and you never hear about them really. So I can't wait to see these guys. I, I hope they shoot through the minor league system and we're talking about them in two years, you know, being on the club. I remember when the Astros were penalized by major league baseball, that there were people that were upset that we didn't get penalized and, you know, lose our picks or anything like that with the international prospects. So that's like you say, that's one of our strengths. And they were saying we should get punished and get that taken away as well. And when we signed these good players, it was upsetting them, but it is what it is. The punishment what it is what it was. All right, let's look at these 10 World Series predictions. It has the matchups. Shocker, folks. Shocker. The Astros are not on here. They're not even on here to lose. They what four out of six World Series? And they won two of them, and they're not even going to get back in 10 years. I call, you know what? <laughs> so let's break it down a little bit. The next year, they got the Dodgers beating Toronto. That's plausible. I'm, I'm okay with that. The Astros aren't going to go to the World Series every year. I get it. The Mets in 24, I got it. They got a lot of money. They spent it. Maybe they fall this year, and they get next year. But the interesting one is they got them predicted to beat Baltimore, who has one of the best farm teams. I mean, I mean the farm, yeah, farm systems. And they're on their way up. So I can see this happening. Then they got the Giants beating the Yankees. Seattle beating St. Louis. I can definitely see Seattle getting up there. And then, of course, the Yankees beating the Cubs. Baltimore winning the World Series in 2028. These next two. Again, no Astros on here, Tom. Detroit in 29, Angels in 30. So far, we've with seven years, no Phillies who went to the World Series last year, got better, no Atlanta Braves. It's nuts. So here's where here's where I'm I'm bothered. I'm I'm so bothered by this. Because I just can't see it. The guys that, that put this together, I don't know what stuff they were smoking, but it was premium because they were on one. Because I got, okay, I'll, I'll give you Baltimore's ascending, right? But if you think Baltimore is going to be good, then how do you see the Yankees in there? So so they're just going to go tit for tat. And my thing, what what really like irked me about it the most is like, okay, give me, give me younger ball clubs ascending or give me, teams with you know proven superstars so like when they say the yankees are supposed to be good you're talking about 
an aging Garrett Cole. You're talking about, I mean, I don't see their young talent where, where, what irks me is like Baltimore's fine. The Mets, I, I get it. They've got a small window, but the Astros, their, their, their strength is how young they are. You know, they're, they're, they're older guys. They're, they're, they're super critical, but their younger guys are the ones that are winning the accolades. Framber's third, Cy Young. Uh, we're talking about CJ. Hunter Brown's on the way, you know. Pena, World Series MVP. Like these guys are babies. And they're and they're, you know, they're gonna have all the money that we're talking about because they didn't spend it on all these other guys. So in what universe did the Astros just forget how to do this? Like, just forget how to do this. I can't see it. it, it you gotta give me one. You gotta give me one. Like you get the Yankees two, and they're worse now. And there's no, there's no future that I see them with. They've got some young infield prospects that are good. I think they've got one young pitching prospect, but the rest of these guys are all older. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I looked at it and I just threw it over my shoulder, threw it away. Starting in 2024, they have either the Yankees or Baltimore in the world series four out of five years. That means these two guys are going to go head-to-head. They're going to be the powerhouses of the AL East for five years, and I don't see it. But the LA Angels in 2030, when Mike Trout's 55 years old, are you crazy? And no Astros, and you got Boston and Cleveland, and then they got Cincinnati Reds in 2032. I can see some of these, but to leave the Astros out, to leave the Braves out, that's like the World Series, the past World Series winners. And I don't count the Nationals because they're just nothing now. But I'm not bothered. You're bothered this time. I love it. But I, it's just, I really it's am. Just, I really am because I can't. Normally, I can justify. Normally, I can, I can sit here and, and go, okay, wait. I get it. They're saying it because of this. Or they're saying it because of that. They do it on but, purpose to rile us up, guy. But I can't, I can't see it. I can't see it. And I'm looking at these rosters. Like I'm, I'm objectively looking at these rosters going, you're going to tell me that this aging Yankees team is magically going to get good overnight when they've got or billions of dollars committed to Garrett Cole, Giancarlo Stanton, and Aaron Judge. How are they going to make that team good enough to go and win two World Series? Well, actually, they lose one and they win one. Okay, okay. But they make, they make two World Series. I don't see yeah. any. All right, let's get some fun here. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to put it out here. I saw this, and I saw, I found it interesting. I'll just run through it real quick. It was the most gold gloves by position. I found this interesting. Pudge Rodriguez is number one by catchers, 13. Keith Hernandez, 11 at first. Alomar's 10 at second. Ozzie Smith, 13 at shortstop. Brooks Robinson, 16 at third base. You got Barry Bonds. With eight, Willie Mays with 12, Roberto Clemente at 12. Some pretty good players on this list. It has to be. I mean, these guys are the best defensive uh, wizards at their, at their position. I, I got to say that I saw quite a few of those guys, a couple of them that were before my time. But um, I, don't know what, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's some guys I think should have been on that list. I don't know how you get Barry Bonds and not – Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, as much as he hit, Griffey was always making amazing plays in the outfield. So, 
I don't know, a couple of them here or there, but but most of them, no argument out of me. The Golden Gloves are a little objective, so. Or is it subjective? Probably. I don't yeah. know. I'm not smart. You guys know this already. <laughs> All right, so some quick news here. Mancini, I got something for you, buddy. Mancini to the Cubs, two years. And then this is for you. Friday, January 20th. It's a couple other guys. But Tom, calling out to you. January 20th on a Friday, the Magic Man is going to be a Constellation Field with the Astros Caravan. You have to get a ball signed by this guy. We need what time? When I I need details. We'll look it up. We'll find okay. it. But they they're they have two on Friday, and that's the later one. So I can't make it because it's on a Friday. But we're gonna need you to get that. And you like you're a magic man. You're a magic man. Just letting you know. <laughs> All right. So also, I got this cool tidbit that I wanted to share because it's about Nolan Ryan. On June fourth, nineteen seventy four, Nolan Ryan threw two hundred and thirty five pitches, thirteen innings. Never, ever, ever, ever will that happen again. And then Jeff Bagwell is one of 11 players in Major League Baseball history with 400 home runs and 200 stolen bases. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I saw the one with Nolan Ryan. I don't know if it was just like in my feed on Twitter or something, but I, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, wow, I saw the exact same thing. It was like three or four days ago. I can't remember when. And I mean, I really don't think Baggy gets enough credit. I really don't. Like... He was a different kind of cat from his stance to the numbers that he put up. I mean, I really think he deserves more love. All right, so we're going to do some fair fouls. We got four of them. And I'm telling you this, folks, last episode, which was seven days ago or more, I forgot to give Tom his final thoughts. <laughs> and I won't forget. All right, so Alec Brown from Climbing Tall's Hill, which we're related to on this podcast, he wrote a story. How can uh, they save Whitley's career? Force Whitley's career. Send him to the pen. Fair or foul? Fair. 100% fair. I love the story. Read it. It makes so much sense. I think that there's been a, a case for that that's been proven time and time again where you've got these hard-throwing guys that just don't have the durability to be a starter, but then you put them in situational spots where they can be just empty the tank for – two innings or, or, you know, three batters, whatever, and they excel. So Forrest Whitley could definitely be a weapon. He's got an above average fastball, got great movement on his pitches. I think if they can get him to buy in, because that's got to be really tough, you know, because he's been a starter his entire life to go, okay, we don't want you to do that. And it's a different element too, to get ready day in and day out to go and pitch, you know, one inning, three, four days in a row, whatever. I think it'd be great. I think it'll be a good move too. I say fair because there's there's guys that try to be starters and they just can't do it. But like you said, you know they don't have the the not what'd you say not durability, but the that's exactly what I said. <laughs> oh, the durability. Yeah. Okay, but you know, like the energy to go far or whatever. But it says he has four good pitches and he's big and tall and he could just come out, come out and throw. I think. Because he's he's not making it as a starter. He's just stuck in the minor leagues. He was our number one prospect like five, six years ago. He's still down there. But he is on the 40-man, so they still have confidence in him. So try something new. All right, ESPN had the best Major League Baseball players of all time list. Fair foul. You agree with this? 
Derek Jeter is 28. Albert Pujols is number 30. It's tough for me. I I I, I have a better? lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for Derek Jeter. I think Albert Pujols is the better player. Derek Jeter was always on the better team. So, but the two spots, not a big deal. Like, I'm no, not, not gonna, at all. I'm not, I'm not really going to go to war over two spots for guys that weren't <laughs> Astros. Yeah. But I could see how you could flip flop them and I wouldn't have an argument. I think Yankee fans would try to riot and burn you at the stake. Yeah. I really don't care either. But Pulhos, I'll tell you this when I first played fantasy baseball, Pulhos was a rookie and he was on my team. Like, who's this guy? He was an animal. The beginning of his career, he was so good. That's why I got that huge contract. With the Angels. All right, I saw this. The Texans interviewed Sean Payton for that coaching job. Fair or foul? You want Sean Payton to coach the Texans? Fair, I do. I just worry about what it's going to cost to get him. He's still property of the New Orleans Saints, so there has to be some sort of compensation to get him from the New Orleans Saints. So if it's going to cost the number 12 pick, I don't know that I want that, but... If you could get away with 33, sign me up. He talked about uh, potentially joining the Texans on Colin Cowherd's show, The Herd, on FS1. And he was like totally for it. He goes, their division's not very strong. With the opportunity with some some draft capital to use to go out and make the team better. And then with a lot of uh, cap flexibility, he seemed totally intrigued by the opportunity. And this is a guy that we know pedigree is there. He's won the Super Bowl, can do it. So if he wants it, I want to see it happen. I just hope they can figure out a happy medium. I put a poll out. If you'd be willing to to uh, give New Orleans your number 12 pick for Sean Payton, 60% said no, and you say no as well, right? Those picks are so valuable. and And as much as I want a great head coach, there are some great candidates out there that are not Sean Payton that would not cost you the 12th pick. All right, sticking with football. As you know, I was watching the Dallas Cowboy game, and they are putting it on the Buccaneers. But their kicker, he finally made one before, right before the podcast. Four missed extra points in a row. Fair or foul, you've ever seen a kicker miss four extra points in one game. I've never seen it. I, I don't think I have. I That's mean, normally, a lot of misses. No, normally they just start going for two. Luckily for the Dallas Cowboys, they had the luxury of having a commanding lead, so it was not to the point where they had to have these points. But at the tough. beginning, I was like, "Watch them lose by two. Oh, you always feel like if they miss <laughs> a field, uh, an extra point, you always feel like it's going to come back to bite you. I don't know how. Uh, I, I feel like after the second one especially with the lead they were up by it was it was 18 i guess at that point you should have thought that the pressure was off right just just squared up whatever you got to do but he I struggled mightily i know they moved it back so they probably have different records for that now but it used to be a lot easier but yeah that's pretty amazing i saw a meme that made me laugh it was jerry jones in a in a cowboys uniform kicking so but anyway I've never seen it, so that's foul, or that's fair. All right, so anyway, now it is time for Tom's final thoughts. 
Well, thank you, Rob. I do not believe my final thoughts are that important. I think it's more important to get the show in and out. Uh, I appreciate it, though. These, uh, Since we got to talking football, man, these wild card, the super wild card weekend has been amazing. I don't know if you've been watching football with no baseball, but they've all been great competitive games. And what they should do for you, if you are a Texans fan like I am, they should inspire hope because there's so many first, uh, there's so many like, uh, not first string, but there's so many new quarterbacks playing under these head coaches and competing with some of the best teams out there. You got Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. He was the last pick of the draft seventh round pick. They had no plans on using this man and he's leading the Niners through this playoff run. And they look like they could win it all. Look at Miami. Miami used a third string guy who was also a seventh round pick and, and he played well. Miami was right there at the end. Uh, Tyler Huntley with, with uh, Baltimore right there at the end. So this, this for me, it really feels like a, a good head coach, the right head coach can take this team that the Texans have and a young quarterback and make them very relevant, very fast. So what happened to the Jacksonville game? I was watching that. I I've been really busy the last three days. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, but I was watching that game and they were Jacksonville looked like they had no chance. And they came back and won at the end by like a point. They got, they got one score and can't, can't say enough how much it benefited them to be at home because once the momentum started going their way, it was just snowball, snowball, snowball. (laughs) And they have the team to do it. They have the offense to do it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, another, another young quarterback. First time, first playoff game. Good head coach. I mean, if you saw Trevor Lawrence last year with uh, Urban Meyer, he looked lost. He looked like an absolute bust. Fast forward this year, new head coach. Looks great. I really am encouraged that if the Texans can find the right guy and then draft one of these young guys to go with them, they can be really good really quick. All right, guys, that's all we have for this episode of Astros Baseball. I'm as I'm as happy as you are, Tom, that we finally got to do another episode. That shows you how busy I've been that we haven't even got to do an episode. And uh, you know, be, me being on night shift, we usually during the season will I'll stay up and he'll wake up early to do one, but wasn't really too much to talk about. So I didn't want to bother you that week. But anyway, I've been busy. But anyway, again, I said anyway five times already. Thank you guys <laughs> for listening so much and We'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.